great. I had some gremlins in this room, some uh, spirit around here, and I uh, had to get my sage out and uh, clear the air a little bit and uh, make space for tonight. We didn't, we didn't want them hanging out too long. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome to the show. Um, tonight, I have guest Mary Roach, you probably have seen from my mailing. She's an incredi incredible intuitive psychic from Virginia Beach. Uh, she's been called the most popular intuitive actually in Virginia Beach. Um, she has over 30 years experience, has done thousands of readings, and I just think she's an amazing person. I actually, uh, I don't remember how long ago it was, but either a year or two ago, I, I actually flew down to Virginia Beach so I could have an in-person session with her. Um, and even though I, I know it's not necessary, I do phone readings myself all the time. I just wanted to sit with her and sit in her space and feel her energy. And it was such a positive and powerful experience uh, that I felt like I wanted to bring her on and share with you. So Mary, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Asa. Yeah. And uh, how have you been? How's your family been through all of this? Pretty good. Pretty good. We've been out of school since, you know, forever. And so the school's been online and we're going to, I guess, go back to online, I guess, because Virginia is not doing that well. Uh, some towns aren't doing that well because our numbers are going up because, the you know, we're a beach area. And, uh, but yeah, we're doing good. I mean, we're just, uh, we spent a lot of time together as pretty much everybody who's listening. <laughs> Everybody's got to spend a lot of time with their people. I got a lot of time with my dog, which has been nice. So, uh, because she's, we never left her. So now she's so clingy. I don't know what we're going to do if we ever have to go anyplace again. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, Michael and I have talked about that. Totem has been with us 24 seven. He has not been without us once. Uh, so I, I don't think he's ever gonna be able to be without us again. I think yeah, that's he needs it. To it. Yeah, he needs to go with you next time. Yep. So that's all right. You know what? I have no complaints about that. He's he's flown with me. He's gone to California. Um, we flew first class. He slept on my lap. And uh, on, the, on the seat. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah he's a service dog, and so oh, uh, so you know, okay. he's, just, he's actually supposed to sit on the floor. And I actually had to sign a thing that said that you know he stays on the floor. So it was really funny because the flight attendant came over to say something and she said, oh, I just want to let you know. And I just assumed she was going to tell me the dog couldn't go on the seat. So I said, I know, I know, I already signed the paper. He can't go on the seat. She's like, oh, actually, if you put a blanket down, I would never know if he was on the seat or not, would I? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess you wouldn't. I love you. Um, and so when I put the bed down in first class, he jumped up and laid with me and we, we slept all the way to LA from New York. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Yeah, a whole lot of fun. I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because being in the, underneath is not good for the dogs don't love being, you know, they have a lot of problems underneath. And it's, you know, they, unless you're a service dog, you have, you're stuck underneath. Yeah, and I can't Unless you it. can put them in a purse. Yes. Well, I have a little chihuahua I can do that with. So okay. I can, I don't, I don't have a purse, but I have a purse. So I can put them in that. Okay. <laughs> so, um. Let's see, I wanna ask you a few things. I'm curious where I wanted to start real quick is, you know, I was looking at your bio uh, and you talked about having an MA in transpersonal studies uh, from Atlantic University. And there are a couple of questions I have in that. Well, you know, one, uh, I thought maybe you could talk to us a little bit about Atlantic University, um, if that uh -huh. was okay. Would you share a little bit about the Atlantic University and, and its connection also? Yeah, well, AU is a uh, school down in Virginia Beach, but you now there, when I went to AU, I think they were started, gosh, they, their history goes way back to when Casey was alive. So when Casey was alive, they, they had AU. I think they even had like a football team. So it was actually a school, uh, a regular, I think it was an undergraduate school at that time. 
and then I think over the years, uh, you know, it disappeared and came back. And when it came back in the in the eighties and the nineties, I think it was the eighties, because my husband graduated from Atlantic University in the eighties, and he was the first graduate uh, for the second, you know, for the second incarnation of AU. And so he was the first graduate for, and all he did was at the time was master's degrees. So it was master's in transpersonal studies. Now they do more. They do master's in transpersonal psychology, and I believe leadership. I think they do leadership work. Uh, they do a lot, uh, but they, they, they've developed it over the years. And so now they're, they've got the online accreditation. Uh, so they can do uh, a correspondence sort of online. They were ahead of the game for the online thing. So people get degrees from them uh, for master's degrees, but you can also get a certificate program. So if you're interested in certificate programs, you could uh, study, I think, things on dreams or being a person for um, like a spiritual, I think it's mentorship. Is one of the is one of the programs. I mean, there's a lot you can do with it. There's a, it's it's really an interesting uh, program. And the reason I went in like '91, I came down here in '91. I was living in Massachusetts, and the reason I came down here in '91 was because I wanted to. Um, I was doing readings, but I felt like the people were asking me really intense questions. And I had a bachelor's degree, but I didn't have a psych degree. I wasn't a psychologist. I didn't have a social work degree. So I felt like I'm not really qualified to answer all these questions this was my premise at the time and then I came out of this and and so I came down here and did a semester and I did like three classes I did a full a full full class load and I took a leave of absence from my job and came down and did that and so that's what really got me rolling for Atlantic University because I decided well I guess I'll just keep going and so I ended so, up with a master's degree for a while, but it, it took a while to get the degree because you have to you know you have to write a thesis and all that Right. Yes, I did. I, I saw that you had written a thesis on uh, the blueprint of consciousness, which was cool, yeah. which I'll ask you about in a minute. But before we go there, just to back up. So for people who aren't familiar, first mm -hmm. of all, your husband is Kevin, who was also on the show earlier in the season and is the CEO of the Edgar Casey Foundation. Uh -huh. and, uh, and what I was really asking, so Atlantic University, doesn't it now have a connection to the Edgar Casey Center now? Well, they always have. They always have. They've always had that connection with ARE. And so they are part one of the departments uh, of ARE, right? You're there, but they're their own thing because they also have a massage school. ARE has a, the Casey, uh, the Harold J. Riley Massage School. Uh, with, and then they have the Atlantic University, which is the master's degree, but also certificate programs. And I believe there's, like I said, there's more, there's more master's degrees now in transpersonal psych and I think leadership. I, I forget what all of them, what they all are because they've really expanded in the last 20 years. I graduated yeah. in 2000. So yeah. in 2000, I was done. And so I was, I was finished then, but they have really expanded. So they've gotten, um, they've gotten pretty popular to get students from all over the world. So they've got students yeah. everywhere and they, and they are associated with ARE, but you don't have to live in Virginia Beach to go to the school anymore. When I was younger in 91, I had I live I came down to go to the school, but after that they changed it so you could get you could do online and you could do a lot of work on your own. And so they started doing all the online stuff. And so that's that's what they're that's what they're all primarily doing now. I was the last group. I was in the last group that graduated in person classes. Wow. Kevin wasn't the first group who graduated in person classes. So is it all online or do they do any in person still? I mean, prior to COVID, I think people come down and do some some seminars and some programs together. Um, but you know, like mine was all in person. But but I think they do some small things together. But I think that most of it's online because of the they've got students in other countries. They've got people who, but they do come in for graduation. A lot of times they do come here for graduation. 
Yeah, I imagine. Well, I know that they're, they come in maybe, I don't know how often people come in and what their, you know, what their situation is, whether they could even get here, you know, routinely, but uh, people do come in and do some stuff. I don't think they, they, they stay away, but I think if you're in China, you're not coming here that easily, so. No, although I will say if you can get there, it is so interesting to go to the Casey Center uh, in the mm -hmm. area, check it out. Um, so talk to me a little bit about a blueprint of consciousness, your thesis. Can you tell me a little bit about that? You know, that started with, um, and I'm st I, I was, I should have done more with it during COVID. Okay, so during COVID, I should have really done something with that, and I didn't. Um, but but I, what it was, was a, um, I had been a, seeing a therapist who was a, now a friend of mine, uh, and he's an ex-Catholic priest. And so we had a lot to talk about because I was raised Catholic. So it was kind of an interesting uh, guy. His name is Tom Baker, and, and people around here, you know, know him because he's, he's, he's still a, he, he still talks. He's been a therapist for ages now, but he also was a, uh, he's a he does a lot of speaking uh, around the country and around, you know, unity churches here and stuff like that. But he was, uh, he, he was doing, I was looking, I was saying to him, you know, I talk about past lives for everybody else, but I don't know what my past lives really were, and right? I don't know what ever happened to me. And he said, um, well, why don't we try some hypnosis? Because he had studied hypnosis and, and we did some. And so what happened was I started going up these stairs and I don't know if he had suggested it or if I just started doing it, but I noticed that every stair had a different color. And that's what kind of threw, that's what started our conversations is he, he started asking me to talk about where I was and what I was experiencing at different levels. So we didn't really do any past, we did some past life work, but we didn't do as much, but we ended up really uh, going through this process. And he was really kind of, the, um, I guess, the person that was giving the, um, instructions like like go ahead and you know okay you know you're he was the uh, i forget what they call conductor like the person who was actually conducting like casey had uh, his wife gertrude uh conducting the readings he sort of became a conductor for some time when we were doing this so and it was a whole world we were seeing you know higher levels of consciousness and there were levels that you could not speak or at least i could not speak i could not i could not speak uh because it was so high and then there were levels that were so much lower but i focus on basically these three octaves and the 21st century being uh, a time that we're going from the personality of the ego into the soul level. And the soul level, and everybody has different lessons on different pathways. Some people more are learning love. Some people are learning more about healing themselves. Some people are learning about service and doing things for others. So, so there's these different sort of pathways you could walk. And every, every octave up from the personality to the soul to the, to the oneness uh, has a higher vibration. So love on the personality level is more like romantic love and you know, you know, that's sort of like, I'm in love type of stuff. And then the uh, soul level love is unconditional love. And then the, then the, then the higher level of, of love is more like oneness. It's more, uh, it's more um, radiant. I think the what was in the thesis is radiant love. So it's like Jesus, it's more like Jesus, the way Jesus radiated everything, you know, healing radiated off of him and love radiated off of him. So he, so that was what, um, what, what that was about. About. So basically, the thesis has, has these different pathways, and then uh, like love and healing, and all these are different depending on what octave they're in. And we were living at the time when I wrote it in the in the Piscean age, which was really the personality, and now we're moving to the soul level, and then beyond that is into the into the, into the level of oneness. So, uh, so when you say that you should have done more with this during uh, COVID and talking more about this during COVID, so. Can you talk a little bit about the significance of, you, of COVID and what's happening right now within relationship to the blueprint of consciousness? Well, I think we're actually heading into the Aquarian age pretty much full speed ahead now. I mean, we were sort of tripping into it a bit, 
for the last 20 <laughs> yes. years, but now we're really, now we're really in it. And you know what, I, I, I wanted to ask you this too, because I noticed that with readings, you know, when you did readings like say in the 80s, uh, or the, the, the say the 90s, the, the, the idea would be you would do a reading, but it would be like one person would have a divorce and somebody else would have an illness and somebody else would have, you know, some other problem with their life, uh, their, their kid or something. And what's interesting is it would be, but everybody else in their world would be kind of okay. You know, they'd be kind of okay. And, and so that what I noticed is as we started going into about 2016 or so, 2015, 16, somewhere in that time frame, I noticed that we were all in the same boat. Like it started being this thing, instead of being like one person in the family's having a crisis, everybody was having a crisis. And it was maybe a different crisis for different people, but they were all in the same boat as far as having a crisis. And so I noticed that it became more universal. And then it's sort of culminating so far in what COVID is. Everybody's dealing with COVID, just like in World War II and World War I, everybody was dealing with World War I and II. You couldn't kind of get out of it. I don't know where you'd have to live. You have to live somewhere way away from it to, to not have to deal with it we're in the same thing again where we're back into this thing where we're all in the same boat and that's why we should try to get along maybe or try to be a little bit nicer or try to be a little bit more cooperative because I don't think this thing's going to end until people start cooperating. I think that's the whole thing. There has to be more cooperation. Now maybe it'll end even if people don't but uh, it'd be nicer if there was more cooperation because that's yeah. how you, how, you know, because we're not, we're divided, right? So the idea that we start realizing, hey, we're all in the same boat. And the same thing that could happen to me could happen to you, or it could happen to your mom, or it could happen to your dog, or, you know, even like we're all in the same boat. So that's well, what I, I was thinking. I like, it's, it's uh, well, you said a lot of things in there. I'll go back to first, you know, you said you'd like to ask me. Yes, I also noticed uh, somewhere in, you know, between 2010 and 2020, it changed. And there definitely were more patterns that were happening in, uh, in people's families and their lives and in the people that were around them. But also, I noticed that there were more patterns like I would have four clients come in a day and, and they all had the same thing going on in a different situation in their life. You know, like, like I started seeing patterns between my days and the people that were at getting booked on days. It was, it was really interesting because I even had times where like... Yes, I even had situations where like somebody would cancel and somebody would get slipped in there and that person who got slipped in there had a similar pattern <laughs> to the other people I was seeing during that day. That's, like I started, I started noticing these these trends of sorts, you know, yeah. consciousness. And I think, you know, uh, it's funny, I did a, I led a meditation today and I was talking a little bit about coherence and coherent frequencies as opposed to incoherent frequencies. And, uh, and you know, as we get more towards oneness, we're going to, we're going to, you know, not all our coherent frequencies are necessarily positive, but ultimately, you know, if you take a, a mind of somebody who meditates, if you take a, a, a master Buddhist, let's say, you know, they find that there's more coherence in his brainwaves, you know, so there's, there's a uh, um, uh, greater harmony, you could say. So mm -hmm. same can happen with frequency, with energy, with light waves um, can be coherent. Uh, and I think, you know, there's a place where we can be coherent with negative vibrations. It's not just, po coherence doesn't just imply positive. And that's the one thing I do see some spiritual teachers teaching that is, that it's actually not, it's not really true if we're talking in terms of physics. And so, uh, so I think what we have are when people are stuck in their karmic patterns with their families, they're becoming more and more coherent in those patterns with one another, right? As we get more and more divided and more in our struggle, like when I watch even politically, the right and the left, as they get more polarized, they're more coherent with one another in their frequency, in their fight. There becomes a coherence okay. to that. Okay. And so then they lose the ability to evolve out of it in some ways, you know? So 
when you talk about us uh, coming together more, or um, what did you say? More cooperation? Was that the mm -hmm. word you used? Yeah, cooperation. Uh, Maybe empathy would be helpful. Yeah, I think I think there is a part of like it's it's actually softening on our positions, and and actually coming to a place where there's more cohesion, more room for communication, for you know more openness in the conversation because people are moving to fixed positions and then projecting it in at the world. And, mm -hmm. and I think we're doing a lot of that. And so what we're doing in doing that, you know, it's like, I'll give you an example. Somebody comes at you and they're really angry, right? And they're, they're coming aggressively at us. You know, uh, oftentimes our response, if it's not fear and running, is going to be to meet it with anger and with aggression. We move into that energy. Rarely does one stand their ground calmly, right? Rarely do they it's not- hard. That it's hard. That's right. But that's actually what we have to do right now. We have to do what's hard. We have to stop matching the vibration of the other. We actually have to start matching the vibration that we want to exist in. And if we start to do that, and if that, that vibration is more cooperation, more space for one another, more compassion, then we have to actually start matching that vibration and stop matching the other. Okay. I don't know. I know it's- No, that makes sense. Yeah, you got me, sir. We're just in an eternal, uh, eternal bind. We're just never getting out of it. We're, t we're tied in the negativity together. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is it used to be, you know, it was like uh, uh, we kept swinging on the pendulum back and forth, one side or yeah. the other. Uh, yeah. But now I'm actually going to say we've gotten out of that. We're not even swinging on the pendulum. We're actually creating vortexes of energy. We're creating oneness of energy, synchronicities of energies in pockets that are often, you know, really negative and, 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 and dark. You know, and there are also people out there that are creating the positive and the, the lighter side. But the truth is, we kind of have to get out of positive and, and light. We have to actually get to a place where there's more space, more humanness, right? More compassion, mm -hmm. more heart centered. Yeah, which has more space love. For, that's right. Which is, is exists actually more in the middle. It's not really in love. Doesn't really exist in either polarity. Love is pervasive. You know, it has space mm -hmm. for all of it. Mm -hmm. yeah, it I agree. It, I agree. It's uh, it's not easy to practice. Are you gonna write this as a thesis? Are you gonna write this as an article or a sure <laughs> or something? Maybe you another should be, uh, Maybe you got some good material here, uh, Asa. It's another project, <laughs> but yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we'll be we'll be in this thing for a little bit, so you got time to write. Although you're working your butt off, so I don't know. Yeah, I think the key is you know figuring out how to stand up, uh, how to not go to sleep and and just say oh well the world is what it is and sort of cop out how do we stay acute and connected to the world and the changes that need to happen without trying to dominate and it's not really easy i think the way humans have have made change in the past has always been through either dom dominating or rebelling in some way right through force of some sort mm -hmm. so how do we actually learn how to continue to push forward for change and what we need without just creating it uh, through domination of other it's a, yeah. it's a, it's, well, and I'll tell you, that would be love. Yeah. the key is, that's right, consciousness, that's what I was going to say, so love, exactly, going the higher vibration, then, um, because you don't have the polarities at the higher vibration, I don't think, right, it's not the same, yeah, it's just not the same, the, uh, I think on the physical realm, right, we'll always have, we always have uh, some polarities, right, but we're, I think that it just moves less, the pendulum is less extreme, right? It's, it hovers around the center of love. It has an organization to it that's, that's not there uh, when we're not in love. In yeah. Space of love. Yeah, and I don't think anybody's having an easy time. So I think people are gonna continually be uncomfortable. I mean, we're all kind of uncomfortable here and there because I think it's meant to get us out of what kept us in that old pattern that you were talking about, that 
pendulum, that, that polarity back and forth. Yeah, it's interesting because I've seen, I see the people and I talk to the people who are really uncomfortable, who have really been um, rattled by, by COVID on a lot of levels, you know, uh, and I don't just mean, obviously the loss of work has been awful for some people, people yeah. getting sick is awful, um, but I'm also talking people who are not necessarily sick uh, are out of work, but people who are, who are just in fear about the instability of the world, right? Because right now it's so like, we really, it's so hard to predict where we're going. You know, I've also, I don't know if you've noticed this with readings, you know, it's even reading the future, you know, you go back to the late eighties, you know, early nineties and, you know, you could see so much further down the road uh, when you were doing a reading than you can yeah. now. Now I find, you know, we're looking at the next couple of months at best, you know, and maybe what the energy will be later on. But as far as specific information, there are so many variables that are happening right now. That's the thing, it's the variables. There's way more value variables than there used to be. Used to, and you know why? Because they used to be just in karmic patterns. So yep. if you look at, okay, well, if you're always gonna be a fixer and you're always gonna be a caretaker and you're gonna keep marrying people that wanna be taken care of and you're gonna keep you know, divorcing them eventually, like whatever it is, whatever the pattern is, it was easy in the 80s and the 90s to read that and even the 2000s, it was easy to read that because the pattern that they were in, you could you could tell when they were still in the in the pattern. And we all live those patterns. So it's not like I don't live those patterns or you don't. We all live those patterns. But when you're in the pattern, you can really feel the rails on the pattern. Like you can see the limitations to it, what's going on with it. But starting around, I don't know what year, but it's starting around maybe sometime in the 2000s, I started noticing people break out of patterns and really break out. I mean, hardcore, really seriously break out. There was always a few, okay? There was always one or two, somebody broke out before, but it seemed like they were going from the soul pattern of, of karmic lessons, which would be, okay, here's your lesson, here's your lesson, here's your lesson. And you know, like your dad is a control freak. Okay, so you're gonna marry a control freak and then you're gonna turn around and uh, maybe you'll become a control freak or, then you'll, or, or your kid will be a control freak and you'll have, have to stand up to that kid too or whatever it is, whatever the pattern is. And so when they get past that pattern, it felt like all of a sudden I couldn't find the old pattern. And that's what was so interesting. And I'd be like, well, this is, this is the, this is who, yeah, this is who we were talking to. And I was thinking, was she married or did she get divorced or wasn't there something big there? And I wouldn't be able to find it. And I started not finding the patterns, almost like people started releasing or forgiving. And then I noticed that they were in what, what you know, what Casey or any of us would say would be free will. They're in much more of their own free will, and they're able to become a co-creator with God. Now, are they doing it 100%? Maybe not, but they're certainly doing it for some patterns of their life because they ended the, the stuff that was easy to, to read and, you know, the, you know, the patterns. And then they're, and the co-creation, it's up to them what they want to create. I think that's why it's harder. Well, and it's harder to do it. It's funny because I was going to use the word exactly free will. That, uh, that one of the things that I think has happened is that people have really begun to get more connected to the present moment and, mm -hmm. and, getting, and people are meditating more, they're becoming more conscious of themselves and therefore making new decisions, you know, and making new choices and exercising the free will that they've always had, but were so identified with their patterns, they didn't, they didn't know how to exercise it the same way. And so people are waking up to that. And I think it's causing a, a big transformation for the better. You know, it's got its challenges, but also for the better. Um, uh, you know, and actually, you know, that's what I'd like people to know during COVID. Like, we are co-creators in this, right? Like, how do we want to go through this? Who do we want to be during this? You know, uh, what I started to say earlier, 
was, uh, I was talking about the people who were really having a hard time, but I also have a lot of people who I've talked to where, you know, in a sense, being sent home to be quiet and to connect with themselves yeah. has caused them to do just that. And they're feeling so much more connected and so much more plugged in. And, and I've had many people have told me, you know, I'm, I'm not happy about what's happening in the world, but I'm, I am grateful for some of the, how it's impacted me and some of the changes that have come inside myself. Yeah. you know and uh and and i and there are those people that are in the middle right they have both right they're scared and they have that going on i mean they're allowed they have anxiety about the instability of the world and also mm -hmm. have gratitude for feeling more plugged in and more centered in themselves um and i think that that's in itself i think it's a part of why this is happening it is it the you know the universe has asked us to to go in you know to yeah. to turn our focus inward uh and also in turn our focus outward in a way of recognizing that we're all connected you know, even yeah. if I'm just, even if just through this virus right now, right? Yeah, because you can, you can give it to somebody else if, and, and so the whole idea is you can give it or get it. And the idea is, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll wear a mask or I'll, you know, do whatever I need to do to help other people. And that whole idea of, of how, uh, like, wow, we're that connected. I could be, I, I could be the person that prevents you from getting it, or I could be the person that gives it to you. And that's the, the, I mean, that's, I mean, that's how the energy works all the time, but we never think about it. We never think about, wow, that person was in a really crappy mood at the store and was really nasty to the cashier. And now I'm kind of in a bad mood and I'm kind of picking up on that bad mood. And I'm going to walk out of the store kind of mad. You know, that whole empathy thing, the empaths probably have, you know, the first ones who probably realized, oh my God, I'm really affected by other people, you know, but other people didn't necessarily notice it because they were so busy dominating other people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were, people they were they were the dominant one so they got to sort of call the shots you know what i started doing so you know we often uh when we want to change a pattern right if we're uh impatient in certain ways or or uh we get angry too easy or whatever we often change it for by by looking forward by thinking oh i want to be different you know i want to act different in these situations and we try to plan for that and work that way i started <laughs> i started doing this thing where at the end of my week I meditate and I reflect back and I look at, and there's a place where I can be impatient and I have, you know, uh, I call him asshole Asa who shows up now and then. And, uh, <laughs> and so I started reflecting at the end of the week, looking back and going, Oh, how many times did asshole Asa show up this week? And, okay. and it was interesting. And by looking back on that, it really helped me to anchor on how I felt about those moments and to connect with those moments when he did show up so that I could become more compassionate and it helped me be softer in future moments to not allow him out so easily. And so that comes up in readings too, because I was talking to somebody where I was saying, well, you know, you really should be careful about overreacting. There was a certain situation and we were talking about this reaction or overreaction versus responding and just, you know, processing things. And it was interesting because it was everything I was needing to be saying to me. And it was been a long time since I had like sort of a, a matching picture reading, you know, where, where what you're saying to them, like when you start out, you get a lot of those matching picture readings where oh, something yeah. you're saying to them is like what you're supposed to be saying, but you're learning. And I was like, uh oh, they're, they're, they're sending these people specifically for me to learn something. So I better pay attention, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I definitely have those, had those matching readings where I'm giving somebody a reading and I'm being like, yeah, very funny. I get it. <laughs> such a hysterical. But just to anchor on the message, though, because I think it's a good one, is the, the point is, I think, you know, we do the gratitude meditations. We've done, mm -hmm. There's so many things we do to acknowledge the positive and to prepare ourselves. There is something really powerful 
at looking back at your week yeah, and, looking like back at, and looking back at the places where you weren't your best self, where you would have liked to have been different and acknowledge those moments and feel them and feel how they feel in your body and let that discomfort come up, not with judgment, but, but make peace with it and realize like, oh, wow, that was an energy that's incongruent with who I'm being in this moment and who I want to be going forward. Absolutely. And it transforms and it really is an added, you know, it doesn't negate obviously being great, grateful. It doesn't negate doing the work, you know, beforehand, but it it adds a layer that's uh, very powerful for positive and and, uh, proactive change. And it Uh, helps you stay in the present really, because you're only looking back a little bit. You're not looking back 27 years. You're looking back. Absolutely. You know, so that makes you say, okay, we we can work with this. This is working. it also helps you to be more compassionate with other people if they're having a moment and you're around them and you realize, oh yeah, I know that moment. Yeah, oh, yeah mine came out the other day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was me. Oh. <laughs> um, so hey, I didn't ask you this earlier, but I'm curious. So how did you discover your uh, psychic abilities or your intuition? Can you talk to me a little bit about your journey? Uh, I took classes in uh, Cape Cod. I'm from Massachusetts and I was raised in other places. I lived in Hawaii and I lived in... Um, Alexandria, Virginia, and all that. But uh, I was—I graduated from college, and then I was at, We had moved to Massachusetts. We'd moved back home, and we were in Massachusetts at the time. And I was in the Cape, and we had a um, uh, a community college there. That's still there. It's Cape Cod Community College, and there was a teacher. And I've mentioned uh, her a lot through uh, the years. Her name was Pat McKenna. She's still a teacher, I believe. Uh, and she was a, a teacher who taught in the community college, and she had a massive class. I mean, this is. I'm, I'm a, uh, from this place where I was, it seemed like everybody, it was more open. So if you talked about psychic stuff, it wasn't, oh, you're so weird, or, or are you a witch? Which, you know, some of the questions I've gotten down south is, you know, <laughs> you know, have you talked to Jesus lately? Or, you know, do you want to join a church? Uh, but it was, it, back there, it seemed like it was kind of more open. And so, and this class was massive. She, I think there was at least 60 people in it. And it was a, it was at the community college and it was on just, a, I think she was called metaphysics or parapsychology, maybe. I think it was called parapsychology. And that's what she, when she mentioned, uh, she would do one class a week on a different topic. So one class would be healing, another class would be psychometry, another class would be um, uh, seeing auras, maybe past lives, maybe another class. And so she would carry, and so if you wanted to continue and take more classes after the initial 10 weeks or five weeks, or whatever it was, then you could join her other classes. And she had ongoing classes for most days of the week. She was working many days. She was a psychic. She was a professional psychic. Uh, She became a counselor, I believe, a substance abuse counselor, I think. Somewhere in her history, she became a substance abuse counselor. And then she was also a teacher. And she was one of the best teachers I ever knew. And so that was where I I learned it. But uh, but, uh, but historically, if you go before that that era, I was much more, I was just always very sensitive and very, you know, empathic, and I, w- I would always, you know, feel more than, than probably other people, but I, I just thought that I was, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what it was that I was. I, I knew that I had it, something different about me, but it was the classes that made a difference, and maybe put this sort of gener- generic idea of being oversensitive and kind of empathic to some kind of a purpose and use, and that was what made a big difference right there. Yeah, so I mean, when I was in like seventh grade, I I just found because of COVID, I was cleaning out the closets, which I guess everybody else has been doing. And I found (laughs) these old diaries that were um, journals that my friend and I used to keep. I had a friend and we would say on the ESP test, we got nine out of 10 or we're psychic. And so it was, this is like seventh grade. 
And so it was, I found all these, um, the, apparently we were really interested in it, but back then there weren't that many books on it in the public library. So you could, you didn't find very much. And so we did some ESP test where we're trying to send a, you know, send a signal and send an energy and, you know, send an image. And I don't know, we, we happened to be connected. So we were probably tuned in with each other, but, but, you know, it was, uh, that was how it, I was always interested in it, but never had any form. It never had any place it could go until I took the class. And then once I took the classes, and I was always a big fan of astrology. The astrologers, I just love the astrologers because when I was up there, I bet you I got some of the best readings I got in my life. There was a couple from psychics that were quite, quite significant, but the astrology readings were amazing. And what I loved about astrology was I became a student of astrology. That's really what I did is I'd start taking astrology classes, but then I wasn't studying like other students were studying. And so the teacher was like, maybe you should take a little break. You know, you got, you know, maybe, you should, and then when you're ready to study more, you know, then you can come back in. But I was, I was, um, I was always a fan of astrology, but yeah, I took classes. That was basically how this whole thing started. And then I started just doing readings after, um, I guess around 87, I was doing readings around that time frame, And then you know, you know how you, you how you always start. You start with doing them for free, or doing them for friends, or doing them for people who are having a crisis. And then you end up, you know, people talk to each other, and you know, then it starts to. It, it, I guess it can start to take off. But where it took off was when I moved down here too, because I was, I was I was taking classes, and then my they they were doing the first psychic fair here. But not psychic fair. It was this first psychic conference. It was the Edgar Casey Legacy Conference, which was basically teaching everybody to do psychic work it was it was teaching just like Pat did and they had uh, Caroline Lieros and Henry Reed were their two original teachers and they came in and said well we're going to hire psychics and we're going to have hire everyone everyone at the conference will get two readings and so that was by 91 I was tested and then I they happened to have more people sign up for the conference and they didn't have enough psychics and I got in so that's basically how that happened in 91 but I was just taking classes so nice so <laughs> do you think uh do you think with the right form, with the right information, that most people could read? Yeah, well, I think everybody has intuition. I think everybody should, everyone be, would be able to read it momentarily, but does mm -hmm. everybody have the patience to do it? Or the... Um, no, yes. Is it part of their purpose? Is it part of their purpose? But, but, you know, the one thing I noticed, particularly when I got to ARE, was it was used, there was a, in the, in the classes, one guy was a police officer, and so he needed the intuition for, he actually was, um, I forget, I forget it. I think his name was Don, uh, but he, he was a guy that he could draw. And so he used his intuition to draw out the, um, the, the face of the suspects. So, I mean, so everybody's, I think the whole idea, at least with ARE was start putting, use your intuition where you are and apply it to your life. So everybody has a place they can apply it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there's varying degrees, right, of, of intuition and, you know, just like there's varying degrees of muscle strength, you know, right. and, and things like that, like, you know, but everybody can exercise and get stronger. I really think that uh, everybody can learn to develop more with their intuition and their psychic abilities. Like you said, you know, it's not everybody's purpose to be a reader, per se, you know, but it doesn't mean that they can't be more connected and, and have more access with it. Uh, and so much of it, and I love what you talked about, was taking classes and getting form for your ability because there's a lot of sensitive people out there and, and uh you know over the years i've spent a lot of time talking to the people who say well but i'm not like you and i'm like well you know a lot of what i'm like came with education like learning right it wasn't all you know there is the the gift 
gift part of it, right? Um, of awareness, but, uh, but a lot of that gift of awareness was really just being aware that I had an awareness. Like, I think that a lot of people have it and just aren't even aware that they have it. You know, yeah, well, and maybe walking around like the way you were or the way I was, which is really, really open or really sensitive or really overwhelmed, and then not knowing what to do with all of that. And, and you know, once again, there's some people use it for creative uses. Some people use it for, you know, intuition. Intuition can be useful for everybody. I mean, matter of fact, it's, if you're a soul living in a body, I don't know how you will find your purpose unless you're intuitive. Because how, if you're really free of your karma, say you overcome your karma and you're done with it and your lessons are done, then how else are you going to know what to do with your time here unless you're connected to spirit? I mean, you wouldn't know what would guide you because what used to drive people forward was their old karmic lessons, right? If you're not in the karmic lessons anymore, then you're going to have to be connected to spirit and say, oh, I think I need to do it this way. Or I think this is the next thing. I, or I've got the feeling or I had this dream last night or this is the direction I should look at now. Or I should call this person and see if they need any help. Or, you know, like you have to follow that. You know, live it and follow it, which is a lot harder to do than learning to do readings. Yeah, it's the practice. Absolutely. You know, it is a practice of consciousness, uh, yeah. which is is not easy when the habit of consciousness is we're we're programmed otherwise, right? We're not necessarily programmed into our, our intuition, uh, but we can do it, and it just takes practice. Um, I'm also interested. Do you connect in with spirit from the other side? Do you do mediumship type work? Yeah, I don't do it the way that um, uh, the spiritualist church uh, teach, teaches people to do it. Right. Uh, I do it my own way because if people. Come in and the, and the person's not talking. I had a reading from a really good uh, medium one time, and my mom was a real quiet person. And um, he says, "Well, I don't know. I'm not getting a lot from your mom because uh, I guess she was really quiet." And I said, "Yeah, she was really quiet, but you better have something to say here." <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I'm, I'm like, "Yeah, knock on the door here, mom. I want to talk to you." And uh, what was really interesting is uh, I found that I can I could I could I couldn't do it until after my dad died. Now, when my dad was alive, I guess it hadn't occurred to me, or maybe I didn't get that. And I, I remember the client in Massachusetts. I remember her name. I, I, I remember who she was. She was the first person. Her father had died. And so for whatever reason, that, that was the first person that asked me, could I talk to her dad? And then I did. Uh, and it was just after, it was the same, like a, within, you know, a, a month or two from the time my dad had died. So there was something about me sort of having a new experience that allowed me to then tap into that, but I didn't have formal training. The spiritualist uh, groups, I think they have a very specific type of training, and I don't do it. I don't do it that way. There's lots of different types of mediums that are out there, not just the spiritualists, right? They're just uh, one of the older, most more organized groups that have been yeah. around, going back to the days of like Lilydale and Casadega. Um, yeah. And then you know, you talked about in your readings, so uh, that you said. By the way, that was really interesting. I should have acknowledged that. Very inter interesting that your uh, the your father, your experience with your dad, opened you up to connecting with her father. Yeah, I noticed. Um, I, it was something that I just noticed it, and I just was like, I wonder if it's because dad's over there. And then I never tapped into my own dad, for whatever reason. I've never had much energy with him. I, you know, I talk to him sometimes, and then I, you know, I have my own opinions about things, and he has his. Um, but I don't, you know, I've just noticed that I could do it for other people, but not as yeah, much. Yeah, it's harder for ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Because we're more in our own loss, right? We're we're yeah. we're more identified with you're not here physically. Like even if we know better, right? That you're not here physically. I don't get to talk to you. It's harder to sort of surrender that and say, okay, I'm going to allow this this higher experience for you. It's, but for you, it's easy. I can put that aside and totally be like, well, let's see who's around for you, Mary. Yeah, let's check you out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so yeah, you're one of those that does it all, yeah. You know, and it takes, I mean, I think, you know, I have connected with my own on the other side, uh, but it, I think it takes a lot of, uh, it's also a lot of work. It's a lot of practice. And it's a lot of practice of getting out of your, it, it's really yeah. turning off the conscious mind in a way, like turning off how you generally perceive the world, you know? Um, I don't yeah, know how to explain it, but it's a really, it's, it's an unusual space to go into. So most of the time what I do is I connect with them in my dreams. So I write them letters. You know, I write letters to my, to, to my family and loved ones on the other side and tell them like, I really need to connect with you. So meet me in my dreams and they will show up in my dreams. And uh, in very- Wow, that's ingenious. Ways. Yeah, and I ask and I always sign it. I write the letter, I dated it. I always sign love Asa. And then I always tell them, and I need, you, you have to give me something, some confirmation. Like I need to know that you're there and not just coming. I'm not just dreaming you because I'm writing, writing this. And so I always wind up getting a confirmation. Uh, cool. Yeah, 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 I've had some pretty wild dreams with it. That's a cool trick. I like that one. I might, I might steal that, Asa. Oh, go for it. <laughs> I might yeah. check it out and see if I can do that. That'd be really cool. I, you know, it's so crazy. The stuff you never think of to do, even though you tell everybody else, here, why don't you try this? It's easier. Why don't you give us a shot? And then you never do it yourself, which is, again. I'm an interesting person because I'm a hard worker in one way. Like most of the people who know me will say like, oh my God, Asa's, you know, balls to the walls where I go at it to do stuff. But I do also have my lazy side and, and my lazy side has to do with stuff like study. I can get lazy around studying and, and mm -hmm. sort of reading and stuff. And so when I was a teenager, I used to sit there and I would hold a book and I would say, you know what? I would tell my dreaming self, okay, dreaming self, I want you to dream the content. I want to know what I need to know from this book for my test this week. And I would sit there and I would hold the book in my head and I'd do that and I'd go to sleep. And, uh, and I would practice this and, and I passed most of my tests. <laughs> you know Edgar Casey did that. Well, I think he took it one step further, right? He, Didn't, wasn't he, he able to actually, yeah. right? But he was also, I think, able to cite like what it said on a particular page. Yeah. You know, like, I think he was super specific in, in the information he got. He was always super specific. That's his yeah. thing was super specific but yeah that he he, he could dream uh the, the book and i guess he was dyslexic maybe me too I don't know exactly what it was like but i think he had something that made it hard for him to learn his grandfather used to really get on his back about it i don't think it was a very nice experience when he, when he was a student when he was a young kid and then um i guess he put the book down and it was a speller i think i think the story is it was a spelling book and then he knew all the words so i think that he you know, he was he is the king of detail I mean, Casey is the king of detail. Go to the back, go to the 14th, uh, uh, you know, go to Cincinnati, go to this street, go to this drugstore, go to the back, go to the second shelf, way in the back there is such as a, he's the king of detail. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he makes us all look lazy, you know, because he was the king of detail, you know. Well, and my details were good in the sense, like I could pass my tests and I would wow. know that I knew the information and I would read the question and I would know the answers. Uh, what I, but I don't know if somebody just said, oh, what's on page 25 that I would have been able to cite that, you know? Oh, so in a way, so I was, I was pretty good, but, uh, but yeah, so I used to do that. That's a cool <laughs> so idea. That's, that's a good idea. Actually, the point of that story was that's what started me with, like, that started me with like, what can my dreaming self do for me? And, uh, and how do I put this part of myself to work? Because, you know, I'm, I'm connected to it. I believe my dreaming self is right. Just my, my consciousness more connected to oneness. So how do I build a relationship with it? Since I'm not necessarily consciously dreaming, you know, how do I build a conscious relationship into my dreams and vice versa? So I started writing That's letters. That's really cool. How old were you? 
Uh, when I first heard that, I was like 13, 13 or 14. Oh, yeah. so you were, in, yeah, because you were psychic from the time you were born, weren't you? You were like one of the psychic kids and all. Yes, but I was in middle, but yeah, and I was also precocious and willing to try anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were, you were fear, you were fearless. About these things. I was fearful about other things, but not about these things, yes. <laughs> oh, that's cool. The, uh, yeah, so it was fun. And uh, I kind of miss sometimes the excitement of it all, of that. But I'm still, I still try new things all the time. I'm still, you know, asking for, I have a new thing I'm developing right now with my dreaming self, but I'll tell you about it later. We'll see if it, we'll, we have to see what happens first. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very creative, you know, that's very creative instead of just going, you know, creating this new thing. I mean, you should teach people how to do all this. I know you, I know you teach. Yeah, and I used to teach more. I'm actually starting again. That's what I'm doing and that's what I've been working on. I have some programs that are going to be coming out soon and, uh, and that's what I want to do. I love, I love teaching. I especially love it because, you know, you learn so much when you teach. Right. I know. Isn't it cool? People. And, uh, and so you get so much back from it and, uh, it's really mm -hmm. such a pleasure. Yeah, um, you teach, right? You do a lot of, you do a lot of teaching or no? Yeah. Yeah. What I mean, I do, I do some lot with ARA and you know, I, uh, for psych, what I'm, I want to do is start new, new, new subject matter beyond psychic, uh, just psychic, you know, psychic development classes are fun, but uh, I'm, I want to move into soul development and move into, um, you know, just getting to know yourself on the soul level. Because I think the soul level is kind of where my most, most of my interest always was. And isn't that, I mean, a lot of, even how you read, it sort of comes in, that's, I mean, I think a lot of the content that you wind up addressing in the reading is... It's really soul, yeah. If you ask me about the color of your car, I'm going to go, <laughs> no idea. So, yeah, so it's probably not going to work out too well if you ask, you know, for, for, the earth is not my thing. Uh, but, you know, the beauty of it, I get the beauty and there's, you know, dogs and stuff. I mean, there's things about earth that are great, beaches. Uh, mountains but I'm just saying generally speaking yeah I, I just I think I just seem to be connected to this other stuff and I, I think it's because I always didn't understand why I was here so I was always like well I don't know why I'm here so I guess that's what we're going to talk about in readings because and then I would attract all these people who want to know why they were there so well, why am I here or why is this happening you know when you have a hard experience or a, a painful experience and then you go through something that's really painful and then you go what did I learn from that or what was the point of that and then and then you, you know, you have other people, you know, you start working on that spiritually, so. Yeah. I mean, it's, the only, it's the only comfort you get is the spiritual solution because Earth doesn't have much for that. But don't undersell. You also give people a lot of information that helps them in knowing sort of what they're going to be facing, what's coming, and what their opportunities are there, too, as co-creators. At least I found that. I thought there was a ton of information in there that, that came up in that. Mm -hmm. um, in my reading, but also, you know what, you centered a lot on past lives, if I remember correctly, so. Yeah, uh, I love those. Because I was always <laughs> curious, because we ended up doing my thesis and not getting all the past lives, so I still want to know more of the past lives. But yeah, okay. well, and I also, uh, I, I love history. I mean, I don't study it properly, I mean, but I love history. But yeah, past lives are interesting. I've learned more through history, through past lives, maybe than I did through college which is interesting because it's also made me look at things and say, did that really happen? Did this really happen in this era? Or do you think something like this would have happened to these people? And then sometimes you look it up and sometimes you can find it, sometimes you can't. But yeah, past lives pop up a lot because they're tied to the soul patterns. Right, well, that's it. When you start, yeah, when you start looking at soul patterns, you're gonna wind up tripping into past lives at some point. Yeah. Uh, do, you ever get, do you ever get caught up in multidimensional? multi-dimensional existence? Have you gotten pulled into like alternate selves and alternate dimensions? In a couple of situations, there have been some really interesting 
things that I couldn't have possibly figured out. I mean, it was something that if it didn't come, if it wasn't given to me, I would never have figured it out. I mean, it was something I didn't know existed. I didn't understand it very well. So, so yeah, only because it came through in a reading did I understand it. Yeah, I've had moments like that where something's come through and you're like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> My favorite is when I'll say something to somebody and then I'll leave the reading and then it's sort of like you run to the book to look it up and be like, okay, is this shit true? <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, where's yeah. the reference? What can I find out about this? Um, yeah. yeah, really funny. So what do you think about past lives and like what's happening with COVID? Do you think that, um, uh, first of all, do you think that there are a lot of people's past lives experiences that are being triggered in this, that maybe people who've had experiences in past lives? I'm pretty know? sure if you were in the plague, you're pretty paranoid about now. <laughs> so if you, if you were, what's, that, what's, what's those masks that the doctors used to wear? You know, if you're dreaming oh, about yeah. Plague masks, and you and you're like, I don't know if I, you know, did I last? Because that was a pretty, pretty gnarly illness. The plague was, and then the, um, I mean, it's interesting. I think that 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 they're tied to 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 everything because I feel like that for some reason, everything about COVID, it just feels to me that you know, for some people, they're not even remotely anxious about it. Although I had somebody who was not anxious about it, but then she got it, and then now she's like, I think she was so sure of her health that she felt like nothing's gonna happen to me and then something happened and she got it and it was much more brutal than she imagined. And so for me, th there's the people who don't think it's a big deal and then they, they might or might not, hopefully they'll avoid it, but they might get it and then it changes their mind. But it also has been, some people are really not anxious about it because they're like, uh, I, they, I think psychically they don't feel connected to getting it. Like they don't feel like that that's their thing. Maybe they felt like they did their time somewhere before. But I think if you had, if you were vulnerable to something before and you felt victimized by it, it could create that victimization again uh, in this era. Yeah. I'm also wondering, you know, what do you think? So you talk about like soul patterns, soul lessons, right? Uh, I don't know that you said soul family, but but then there's soul families, you know. Uh, we have such a state of, of um, discomfort for humanity across this globe right now, right? The world is is so feels so unstable and unsure of itself, where where it is and where it's going. Politically, it's a mess, you know, uh, out there. Do you think that there's you know, a soul pattern for humanity as a whole that's in operating right now? Yeah. And do you think that's yeah. possible? I mean, you know, this may be something you haven't thought about, but I'm, I'm throwing something out there. I think it ties into my thesis, which is why I think I should have worked on it during COVID. But, but as far as us moving to the next level of development, that mm -hmm. we're not going to work, the, the personality levels where we've lived for millennium, I mean, forever. And so it's me, 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 me. It's all this. I'm, what I'm doing is right. And people, do need to have some personality and some essence of, who, of their identity to be here. Even if you're a sensitive, you've got to better get an identity or you're going to get your butt kicked down here. But then the next level is the we level, which is the soul level. So to me, it's not like, oh, we all are going to have to give all of our money to everybody else, you know, and be broke. It's more about we are in it together. And that's what the energy is like. Again, the whole thing that we're talking about with COVID is we're in this together. We're not, you know, it, nobody's exempt. Everybody, I don't care what country you're in, there isn't a country that isn't involved with this right now. So it doesn't matter if you're in the Middle East, it doesn't matter if you're in France, it doesn't matter if you're Canadian or here, it just doesn't matter, you're in it. And so, I mean, I think that for the humanity, I think that this is a, 
I, I think it's a pattern to get us all to maybe connect and care about other people. But also, I think it's, it, you know, the age of information started a lot of that too, because you could be, sit in your office and talk to somebody in Iran or somebody in, you know, Australia. You could, so, I mean, that age of information started the we, the connection. But the um, COVID, I think, is as far as a soul pattern, I think it's, I don't think it's, I know it's, I know a lot of people are passing away. Um, and I wasn't just about COVID, I'm talking about the whole instability of the world. Because, like, I look at even, you know, politics right now, right? Like, oh, I think okay. politics politics all of it it's still so ruled by manipulation uh there's so much power struggle there's so many patterns that are are even as so COVID, i think has really gotten us to recognize and has woken us up and to where we have to see our interconnectedness whether yeah. whether we are thinking from consciousness or not everybody has woken up and had to see like there is this thing that that we're connected through right mm -hmm. uh, our biology <laughs> And uh, yeah, yeah but there it, is. You're stuck in a body right now. So, yeah. Yeah. And and it had a huge impact, right, on all of on the economy across the board, right. And uh, um, so it's there's been so many impacts that we've shared, uh, and yet there's still, as far as the the response that's out there, a lot of the response from the leaders and from what's happening in, in sort of the the old the old guard is still there, holding those trying to hold those old patterns in place. Not you know, for long. <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you so do you have any intuition or feeling about this and don't you think this is the end of the uh, of the white guy the, the the white powerful selfish me 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 it's all about me I'm gonna step on you to get what I want you know the old industrialist type guys don't you think this is the end of them I mean as far well, as I know we don't see the end but but when you compare like Boris Johnson I think it is in the UK who, who did get COVID, but then you got, um, I mean, he's got, I think a lot of these uh, nationalist policies are like, we're gonna take care of, we're gonna take care of myself, but I'm not gonna take care of you. And I think that the, to me, if the Aquarian age is about, if I'm in it, you're in it, we're both in the same quicksand together, we gotta help each other out, or we're not gonna get out of this quicksand. So I think it's, we're going from the me to the we. And so, but for whatever reason, um, I, I think it's like the last blast, of these guys, I think when you see some of these some of these guys in charge of the country, some of the dictators, and some of the people who are behaving like dictators, you're really looking at people who either never got a chance to be a dictator, but they always thought like a dictator, so they finally get to act it out, or people who were actually dictators before and they're good at it. And so, but this is the last this is the last gasp for them to do it. I don't think they'll be able to do this again. I think eventually the souls who are more um, evolved will be running the show eventually. I think that I think they will block people from coming in at a certain point. Did I start picking up like that, that kind of information reading in the maybe around 20, 22, 25 years ago? Uh, that there was some information about certain souls if they chose to really be selfish. And I don't mean just selfish. I mean cruel and destructive and vindictive. That kind of vibe. If they were going to do that, then they weren't going to be coming back in once they left the plane. And so it felt like there was, they were, I don't know where they're going. I mean, I don't want to go hang out with them, but, but they're, they're not going to be coming in as much anymore. Now, what day that begins, I wish I knew. Wow, interesting. Yeah, it does feel like, so it does feel like it's the end of it. I agree. Uh, but I will say I see them digging in hard. And, and, uh, and I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a smooth ending. You know, I don't think it's over yet. And I don't think we oh, should. No, I think they're going to be dragged, kicking and screaming. And I also. It's like any kid who wants their way. But the other part is I'm also concerned that we do it with, that we also, before it happens, I think 
it's important that we keep growing in consciousness and in connectedness and interconnectedness so that we don't wind up with just having the opposite polarity in there where it just changes the guard just changes where it's a different extreme you know um where it actually comes from a more holistic perspective of of governing you know because i do think that that that's what happens we have to stop flipping from one side to the other uh and i don't just mean right left you know, but, but just from one aspect of consciousness to another, but actually becoming more holistic in our consciousness. How do we serve our community? How do we serve a we, as you said? Yeah. I do like, I had a, a Miss Blossa on earlier this season who, uh, she's a medicine woman and just an amazing teacher. Uh, and, and one of the things she said to uh, that COVID, uh, the COVID was asking us to go sit on the earth and ask ourselves how we can be of service. How can I be of service during this time? And that I kept thinking of her when you talked about people coming together and uh, and cooperating and working together. You know, how mm-hmm. can I be of service? How can I be a part of the we uh, in the mm-hmm. best way? Which is bringing my me to it. You know, it's not getting mm-hmm. rid of me, but it's bringing. No, you're still there. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's such an important part of it. Um, how old is your son? Uh, he will be 17 on Saturday. And uh, have you has he talked about this? Uh, COVID? COVID and his own reactions and feelings about the world. You got any, uh, what's, what's his perspective? I think he's, I mean, he, you know, being a teenager, he really wants to hang out with his friends. I mean, they really want to hang out with their, their friends and sometimes they can get together and sometimes they can't, uh, depending on what's happening and different families have different health problems. So you have to be, they're, they're, they're having to think about the health problems. Uh, you know, ahead of time. But what's interesting is he asked my chiropractor to order N95 masks uh, for, um, and, and he's giving them out <laughs> to people whose families, you know, problems. I mean, I, I bought them, but I was like, what are you doing? With, what, what are we doing with these masks? Because I thought our masks were good enough. I didn't think that we had to have an N95. And, but, but he was giving them to all, all of his friends or people who had problems. And he felt That's like if they were in danger, he's giving them, he's like, oh yeah, I gave five to him and I gave two to them. And I, I was like, okay, well, and, and they were people who really could use a much more a more, more potent mask. Now, you're not supposed to. I know the healthcare people probably are like, excuse me, don't do that. Um, but, you know, the, the, and the chiropractor had ordered enough that I just paid for some of them off of him. And then he still was using them for some of what he was doing. And then you know, there's, you know, I'm not sure exactly, but he's, Tyler's kind of happy with, um, you know, doing school on his own time because otherwise they're up at 545. And I think that this, the kids doing this, structure of here we're up at 5 45 we're at school at 7 we stay until 2 30. i don't know that we're going to ever go back to that extreme schedule we all lived through it and it was not easy um it may not have suited everybody's personalities and i think that's what's what he's finding out is yeah i don't really love getting up at 5 45 to make sure that i can go deal with all this drama because there's a lot of drama with these kids you know in high school and so, um, but you know, he actually did really well. He had a lot of A's in his in his classes at the end of last quarter, even though the last semester, even though he was out. They've all been out since March. Uh, Virginia Beach has been out since uh, March 15th or March 13th, something like that. Virginia Beach has been out for a long time. A lot, most states, I think, have been. Yeah, and I think I would have responded well as a kid to studying from home. Yeah, they can get up at nine. Let me roll out of bed around nine. Let me check in on my assignments. And actually, you realize how little time school actually takes. You know, rather than being in the building from seven to three, you really, he's getting things done when he feels energized to do it, when he feels good and he feels awake. 
and he's really doing it without being told. So it's been kind of positive for him, really. I mean, all of us had a positive side to this COVID thing, which was, you know, wow, I got caught up with some things, or this has been kind of good, or Tyler's grades went pretty good. They were excellent when he was done with this. They were good before, but they were excellent when he was done because he, you know, he, he focused differently. And I did hear about some school in New Jersey that was talking about doing some of their classes outdoors, which I think that could be really interesting to see uh, how that does for kids as well. Yeah, when, you know, when possible, you know, I just think to be able to move around and be outdoors some and learn some, it's, it's interesting. I think That's I do think there's going to be some creativity applied to education and hopefully may bring some lasting change. Yeah, it'd be um, nice to break the old patterns a little bit. I just want to mention to everybody, because I noticed we do have a question here that I'm going to ask you. And if anybody wants to ask a question, uh, you're welcome to uh, throw it in the chat or there's a Q&A box, um, either one. I do look at it now and then. So if you have any questions for Mary, feel free. Uh, and, uh, and so one person, Anna, came in and she said, you know, since you deal with past lives, she wondered what you thought about soulmates. Soulmates? Um, yeah. Soulmates are, are kind of fascinating because soulmates are the easy ones. Soulmates are the ones that you've already resolved everything with. It's like we're buddies, we can communicate well, we cooperate well, we collaborate well. We, are, we, we work well together. So whether, but, but the whole idea of soulmates being always romantic, that's not true. Because I've seen siblings that were soulmates. I've seen uh, moms and children, mom and daughter, mom and son that, that were soulmates. Uh, so I think soulmates are kind of an interest. They're the ones who've already worked out the relationship. They already are good. Um, they already are we give the other one a benefit of a doubt instead of assuming that they're trying to af being after them. Uh, so soulmates, I think, are, are, are usually the easier relationships um, in your life, but it can, it can be romantic. If you have a romantic tie with somebody who's a soulmate, you're going to have an easy, breezy time. Anyway, it's, it's, it's pretty pleasant. Um, my husband wrote a book on that. He wrote a book on soulmates and actually talking to different soulmates. Some people had planned on being together as married couples, but some were like brothers and sisters and some were fathers and fathers and their, you know, their, their oldest son or whatever. And so I think so soulmates are interesting. Uh, but yeah, those are the easier ones. Those are the ones that the gift, the one that you, where spirit says, hey, you're not going to be alone. You're going to go through some stuff, but you're going to have these people and they'll, they'll have your back. So soulmates are the people that have your back. It's, uh, that's interesting. It's an interesting perspective. What's, uh, what's his book? Soulmates. Oh. <laughs> I think it's called Soulmates. Uh, so Soulmates. Just gonna say by Kevin Tedeschi, Soulmates, and yeah. I'm sure there's another sentence there, but the big, the main thing is Soulmates. It's, but the story is uh, very beautiful and very pleasant and very, you know, very comforting that you're not alone and that you feel connected and stuff like that it's very some like i said some siblings are, are connected like that and that, that's what he's got all through the book and these examples of this broad soulmates isn't just a romance although the romance does happen for some people but other people it's you know their best friend yeah well i definitely think that not all soulmates are romantic i agree with that you know that you you soulmate along the way we have different and we may have multiple soulmates in one lifetime right um <laughs> The, uh, so another person asked here, do you think it's vital or very important for your intuitive development to know about your past lives? Ken, knowing about past lives. I never lives, found out about mine. What's that? I never found out about mine that much. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> a thesis, so I don't know. Um, well, wait, here's the second part of the question. Can, can knowing about past lives be a distraction or keep you from figuring things out for yourself? 
I think it's only useful to talk about a past life if it is healing for the person and if it gives insight into what they're in now and now. So just like a general listing of past lives is a complete waste of time. Right. I mean, and this whole and I was doing psychic stuff and you you were too because we're we're not I'm older than you, but I know that you're you were been doing this for a long time. I think in the '80s there was this idea that past lives were um you know people were so proud if they were Cleopatra. And then you read about Cleopatra and you go. God, you know, I don't think I wanted to be her. And so I think once you learn anything about, and I noticed that the real, the real past lives that I noticed where somebody really truly had a powerful experience and I, most people, 99.9% are not famous. Uh, the, most of us are peasants, you know, or, or we, you know, cleaned up the slop buckets or we did, you know, we didn't have pretty lives here. Uh, but, but a lot of this, I think it, you don't have to know about all of them. You, I don't think it's useful to just have a listing of it. But if you realize I have a problem with somebody, and the past life between us, what is there a past life? Is there a reason that we're together again having this problem? You know, say it's your boss, say it's your sister, say it's your brother, say it's your mom, whatever it is, then I think that can be helpful. But I think it's good to know about it if it's going to be useful to the person to solve the problem, but not to you know, dwell on, oh, I'm a victim. Oh, you screwed me over before. That's not going to help. I mean, that's not going to help. That doesn't solve anything. Yeah, and if I can just add to that, because I I would just say, Melissa, that uh, that you know, yes, it can be a distraction. There are people who I think get so caught up in their past lives, um, where everything they're relating everything that's happening to them all the time to a past life experience, and that can be a distraction from being in your present life situation. But otherwise, in general, I really agree with Mary, which is you know, it depends on what the situation is, and they can have valuable information, you know. Um, yeah, if you're using it to feed up your ego, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, you know, it's not gonna, it, it is a distraction. Yeah, but the other part is, I do think to answer the first part of her question, though, uh, is it vital or very important? You know what, uh, it is a way to go in your intuitive development is something that commonly comes up, but not for everybody. And the answer is no, it's not necessarily vital or very important um, in your development of your intuition. There's most likely a point in your, the developing of your intuition that you're going to bump up against past lives where something's going to come up and you're going to be like, if you're opening, you're going to be like, oh, wait, there's a pattern here and it goes back, you know, three centuries. Like, patterns like are useful. The past lives themselves may not be. I mean, right. I, I agree. I think the patterns are, are, are if, if you've lived the same pattern for like 10 different lives or, and once again, most of the patterns are, are, are can be good too. Say you were of service for many lifetimes. But you are amazing, amazingly good at being of service in this lifetime and taking responsibility and owning things and being a healer. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I think oh, it, it, past lives are only useful if they solve a problem or give you insight into why you instantly can't stand your boss, or you instant, you know, you met your, you, or you and your sister just don't get along and never have, and why is she so jealous of me or why am I so jealous of her? That type of thing can be helpful. Other than that, I'm not sure it's useful. Hey, Mary, are you still doing uh, readings now for people? Do people want sessions with you? Are they, uh, are you taking appointments? Yeah, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just putting, I'm just filling in the fall right now. So yeah, if yeah. people want something, yeah, we can, I mean, we doesn't have to talk about past lives. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> no, no, but people want readings with you. You are taking appointments and stuff. If they go to your website, they can book and all that. So yeah, I just realized I hadn't. I haven't asked. Uh, I haven't asked you that, and I just want to make sure, in case people were interested in talking to you some more, or more for personally for themselves. Do you bring astrology into your readings now? I wish I could. Um, I just never finished studying it, but I, I am a huge fan of it. 
and I would get an astrology reading from, you know, I, I was fortunate. I had an astrology reading from Robert Hammond when I was, uh, I guess, 20, 20, 20 something, stupid young, young enough to not really get it at the time. But I recently listened to the reading again because, of course, COVID had time and I actually went back and looked at this. And honestly, um, I love astrology, but I, uh, what, but I don't bring it in. The only thing I need to know when I'm talking to a person is how old are you now and uh, what's your name? And I ask for pictures of people, but yeah, I never, I don't use astrology, but I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. I, I, you know, I like guys like Stephen Forrest. I've got, I've got his books and stuff and I've got, um, you know, uh, Robert Hanna is still out there plugging away. Yeah. There's a lot of really good uh, astrologers that are out there. Yeah. And you know, the, what I like about them and yeah, I know you were in the theater arts at one time. Um, and this is, I had a professor who said the one thing about actors that he didn't like was somebody, anybody off the street could come up and say they're an actor and then just walk on stage. And if they're, you know, can, you know, they don't need training. Sometimes they just happen to walk into something. Um, but if you're a musician, you have to study your craft. You have to take classes or you have to take lessons or you have to learn to sing or you have to play an instrument. And that's the same thing to me with, uh, with astrology. A lot of people will take one psychic class and say, oh, I'm a psychic. But then with astrologers, you can't possibly do that. You have to take years of study to get really good at it, to be able to, like, when I, the class that I, I, that I you know, couldn't do anymore was when they were just putting the charts on the, on the wall and said, okay, class, what do they all have in common? And what they all would have in common, I'd be like, I have no idea. And, you know, I've been looking at this, but these people in the class would go, well, this is what's going on. And they would all have been, like, um, anorexic, or everybody would have, like, um, uh, a father who died when they were young, which I guess was a little bit easier for them to tell. But that's what the astrologers do is they study and study and study and study. And, you know, psychics, I mean, if you've been in it for a while, you had to do your work. Um, but, you know, that's the, that's what I always liked about astrologers is they always had to put their work in and they had to put the time in and they got good at what they did. Yeah. Most of the ones, you know, you know, you know what I mean. I do. Actually, I started, I studied astrology over many years. Uh, you know, I still consider myself more of a, uh, you know, amateur astrologer than somebody who's really, you know, there's some really amazing astrologers out there. But oh, yeah. when I started studying, I mean, you know, I started studying astrology in the early 80s when, you know, I mean, I had to draw my own charts. I had to learn how to draw a chart and create it all. And there was no, uh, there was no typing oh, anything computers. into a computer and printing it out. You know, you made it. <laughs> so. Yeah, that, I, that part I could do, but but it was hard. But yeah, that was, we, we were doing it just all by hand, all the math by hand, find your ascendant and stuff. Yeah, it took me years to find my ascendant because I was adopted, so I didn't have a, a, a time. That made me find my, my birth certificate. Wow. So you did eventually find it with the time. Yeah, I did. Uh, interestingly enough, I did um, because I, I found information that I was looking for at the time in Boston. This is back when they would like walk into these places and you know you could they would give you the book and the guy the guy got mad got annoyed with me and he said I, I don't know I can't you're not in here. I said, I have to be in here. I'm standing here, so I'm definitely in there. And, and he, he got frustrated. He handed me the book, and it was the long form, the really long ones that they used to do. And right on the, the crazy thing is I was so flustered when he handed me the book, I turned the page, and on the front side was my, um, my, my name now, Roach. Um, on the back side, you know, I, that was my adopted parent's name. On the back side was my... Uh, my birth name and the birth time was right on the top and it was a, I was like, oh my God. And I was so stunned. I forgot it instantly. I was almost, uh, you, know, you know, I was like so shocked. I was like, <gasps> I just almost, I, I looked at it and I forgot it almost right away. But I got the time because my whole focus for like two years was to find the time. 
Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I'm so glad you got it. Cause you know what? The, it's not always there. You know, not all birth certificates have the time on it. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Um, then, yeah. You have to rectify the chart chart and that's kind of hard, I think. So I have a couple other questions here from folks that I want to put out there. Uh, so one is, uh, do you think that it's harder to read the future, uh, read further out than a few months now because we are approaching new timelines? That's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that what I've noticed is that there's a lot of death rebirth going on. And so there's a lot of death of the old life and the old patterns, and then there's a rebirth. And so that rebirth to me doesn't have a time. It doesn't have a, um, I guess we're talking about birth certificate. It doesn't, it's sort of like, you, you know, you know, in the 1400s, people would die or the, say the 19s, you know, uh, 10 or 20 people would die and they would be done with their life and they would say, okay, well, I learned to love or I learned to be tolerant or I learned to forgive. And that would be it. They'd be done. They come. And then they, when they reincarnated, they come back. But now people are living long enough to have these longer experiences where they're, they're having multiple changes in their life. But now we're having all this death rebirth where you get to go on on different terms and time does change. So that's why I think you're going to have people live longer and probably start whole new chapters of their life where they, got to do, you know, they did what they came in to do, which would have been in the old days, one life, and then you die. But now they're having all, and, and they are going through some traumatic things sometimes to make this, this conscious transition where they know, they remember everything about their life. Like I learned this, I become wiser, I become stronger, I know more about myself, I know more about my life. And then they're able to go forward with their memory and their consciousness, what they learned, and start this next phase. And there's always been death rebirth, but this is kind of a profound, kind of death rebirth because I think it's really what your soul wants to do, not what your personality wants to do. Well, and if what you were saying before is true, you know, then it's also the death rebirth for humanity. You know, if it's really the end of the old guard, right? The old, you know, powerful white guy, as you say, you know, like if that's ending and changing, then humanity is going through a death rebirth of its own right now. Yeah, and it's becoming more feminine, which is the Aquarian age. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming, and it doesn't mean everyone's female or all females are somehow enlightened. That's not going to be the deal. But I mean, it, it does feel like, and that's what I think about the, the Black Lives Matter and all this stuff. I live in the South and believe, it, 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 we had a lot of work to do here to, to catch up with it. I'm sure most states had, you know, had to learn about, you know, this, the, the inequality of the world. But I think all that had to come out. And that's what, what came out in a reading back in 2016. Somebody asked me, why did everything happen the way it happened? And I remember this answer, and I remember being particularly unsatisfied with the answer, actually, thinking, God, that's lame. But, but, but the answer was that, that there was um, all the pus underneath has to come out. And if you don't get the pus out of the wound, the patient dies. And so the idea was all the stuff that's under, under all the inequality, all the crappiness in the healthcare, all the, um, all the racism, all the prejudice, all the, all the stuff that is part of us that we have to really face and deal with had to come out or it stayed, you know, it would be, it would be stuck in us and it would, it would probably kill us from within at some point. So, yeah. I mean, it was, it was an interesting, you know, but I don't think I answered her question, but I'm, I'm not sure. I think, I think you answered well, but I think, I think that you, I mean, you aren't directly saying if it's a new timeline or not, but I think you gave a lot of perspective there. Um, you know. Yeah, I don't know what that, what exactly that would look like. So I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, it's interesting, right? What would it look like? I started thinking about it myself because my answer was, I was thinking to myself, well, of course, it's definitely, we've got a new timeline coming. But, but then on the other hand, what does that actually mean? What are we saying? You know, I think that there's, um, 
I guess one of the perspectives I could put it in is, you know, as we approach the Aquarian age, I'm, I'm sure you've noticed this too, time has been speeding up. Things have been going faster and time has been changing. And I do think in a sense, we are moving into a new time. And we do know through Einstein that time is relative, it bends, it changes, and time is literally changing. And I do think that our relationship to time and its relationship to us and, and the structure of it is actually going to change, is changing actually right yeah, now. Yeah, and I think you can go back into the past and heal parts of your life by, by dealing with your own past. And you know, like I know somebody, and it was a really interesting exercise. She went back and comforted her younger self. Now, this is something she did spontaneously because of some traumas that happened. And so she spontaneously did this thing where she went back in time and comforted her younger self. The weird thing is she had a psychic memory about some woman coming to talk to her uh, when she was like seven or 10. She was the woman that did it, but she just did it now, which is really interesting. There is a couple, Kevin's got a couple of blips uh, Ted Kevin's really into time travel and stuff, and I suspect there'll be a, there'll be some really interesting things about time not meaning what it used to mean. Like it's not going to be what, however we defined it. Like it's it's written in stone. I think we're going to find it's kind of fluid and kind of keeps changing. And that could be very interesting. You notice that nobody's aging, right? A lot of people aren't aging the way they used to. Like if you look at your great grandparents, your grandparents, and how they seemed. Uh, my grandmother was very elderly when she was seventy four. And God, my therapist was, I don't know, 77 or something, 78, I don't know. I had this woman therapist and she was much younger and healthier and stronger. And she didn't, I mean, she was out dancing. She was having this great life. My poor grandmother, but she was, a, you know, she was product of her time from the turn of the century, the last century till now. So she had aged, her life had aged her. Yeah, it is. I definitely think time is bending right now. We're having a different experience with it. And we haven't fully waken up to it yet, but we will. And I think it is going to be interesting. I'd love to that hear. That could be cool. That could be I cool. Wish that I, could be interesting. I wish I knew that, that Kevin was into that. I would have asked him more about it in his interview. Uh, <laughs> so well, if there's a time travel show, he's watched it. He, he, that's one of the books I'm sure he'll write one of these days. <laughs> time travel. Good. When he does, I want to know about it. I'm going to read it. Um, so I have another question over here from somebody that says, uh, so how do you feel about the government opening up about the UFO sightings and findings? And do you feel that this was done at this time because people are so caught up in COVID, they may not freak out the way they would if there was nothing else going on. I feel like uh, they're going to leak, uh, leak out drips of information. Um, so there's a lot in there, but basically how do you feel about the UFO sightings? Do you think that a part of why they've actually, uh, that them letting us know that there have actually been UFOs, you know, the government actually has acknowledged. Well, we kind of knew, didn't we, though? Oh, yeah. It, it's interesting. I went to a, a meeting years ago in the Cape, um, in Wellfleet it was, and it was a UFO. I think his name was John White, I believe. Uh, but he, um, I believe he was presenting a paper a couple, a number of years ago and was died, was hit by a car or something. He was um, he was saying that he had he was studying the psychology around UFO stuff. And what was really interesting is the scientists in the room completely uh, ripped him a new one. They were just attacking him. They were they were like, oh my god, you know, you've lost your mind. You're gonna not be taken seriously. What's wrong with you? And all the rest of us who were kind of like not scientists, we were like pretty cool. We kind of figured this. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting some of the stuff that was going on even then. But yeah, I think that they probably also figured they could put out the information now because nobody's really paying attention, you know, they, because they are so focused on COVID or the presidential election or, 
you know, their job situation. Although it's interesting, maybe, it, I don't know, maybe, it, maybe it's a coincidence and they mean for it to be out one way, but they're going to get a different reaction from it from this talk. Because I, didn't everyone kind of already know? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think most people think yes. We all assume that yes. But I think it still is different having the government acknowledge it. Uh, but I do think it's kind of been a blip. The world has not reacted very much to it at all. Um, I actually haven't vibed on this one. It's funny, this is a great question, Jessica, because I need to spend some, uh, some time vibing on what's, what's going on here with the government and, the, and why they're bringing this up now. How the government released it? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't remember. I remember it was in the paper that they said that they were acknowledging that the military acknowledged uh, that they. I remember had. something about that too. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's something. I mean, I suspect that it's something that's interesting because the guys are. Um, maybe they figured it was old documentation, but I mean, I think that there's. I mean, I have plenty of laymen who know nothing, who are not interested in the psychic stuff, think that I'm a flake. You know, won't give me the time of day, or as far as psychic stuff is concerned. And yet I've had people say, you know, you know what happened to me, you know, and, and not that they were abducted or anything, but they saw a, you know, they saw something that was extraordinary. And if you've ever lived any place where there was remote, you know, a remote area, um, the, you know, because it, it happened, used to have, the, the guy who told me here in Virginia Beach uh, happened to be out near where I used to live, which is Pungo, which is a farm area. And he did see something and, and he swears he saw it, but he thinks everything else about this is insane which is kind of interesting because he, he, he doesn't talk about it because it's embarrassing. And so I think that in some ways, maybe somebody else had an experience and maybe they're the ones that helped release this. Maybe they had their own experience and maybe that's the reason why it got released. So the, um, I've had myself uh, a few direct contacts with UFO. Well, direct contacts, let me be clear. I've seen UFOs and had a th a three different experiences with it where it was like undeniable that it was, an unidentified flying object. Whether it was aliens or not, it was it was an un, definitely an unidentified flying object. Three times, really. It's something that flies without any sound, um, yeah, it has radiation all through it, yeah. So Michael is the best, if you don't know that. So I have a text here telling me, so it was the Pentagon that officially released uh, UFO videos um, on April 29th. And so... You know, I missed... I I, I did catch it for a second, but I did miss that. I mean, I didn't see it in the paper, and that's unusual for me. So that's interesting. I, well, I realized I didn't, I didn't focus on it. But I realized, like, wow, maybe I was even hypnotized with COVID going on because I did see this, and then like a blip came in my head, and I was like, oh, I've got to pay attention to that, and then poof, there it went until Jessica's question. So, anyway, interesting. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, that'd be an interesting discussion. You should get some UFO people. I mean, since you're doing yes for sure um they were went over then the navy pilots here yep in virginia beach yeah yeah that makes and sense. i think that was one of the things that they had seen and i think once again it was like a small article in the paper yep it wasn't like a headline yeah well like i said this was interesting this was cnn um, and it was these videos that were released and it's just interesting that they released them. I mean, it is interesting. Like why now, you know, uh, and wh why at all, first of all, since they've never been willing to before and, uh, and why now? And I do feel like, you know, the thing is, I do think that the government does this thing where, you know, they play the long game often. Like this may just be the warm up for what they know is coming and what they're going to be revealing later. You know, well, they know a lot more. They may have had relationships with people. Yeah, they may have had relationships with them, you know, for years. Yeah. Or somebody might have, and there may, and you know, they, you know what? Why they may have released it is somebody may have threatened 
to tell their story. Yeah. It's possible they might, they would have to have, if somebody may have actually had evidence, right? Cause so many people have told their story, but somebody may have actually said, I'm not just going to tell my story. I've got evidence irrefutable. So they may have just said, you know what, forget it. We're going to claim it. Um, anyway, interesting. It's an interesting that, topic. Stuff. That would be interesting. The, uh, do you get into, have you like worked with ETs? Have you connected with like consciousness from other planets? Have you worked with the Palladians or anything like that? Have you had that experience? Just people who have maybe guardians from there, but not much, no. I, I really focus here now because I figure it's hard, hard enough now. But yeah, I haven't run into, you know, I haven't run into that much of it. Right. So. Yeah, I have in periods. I've gone through periods where it's come through. Well, Mary, yeah. I've kept you for quite some time. I really appreciate you being here tonight. Do you have any uh, parting things that you want to leave for people? Any advice as far as coming in through this reemergence um, during this time? And not to put you on the spot. It's okay if you don't. <laughs> but, yeah, but, well, I think it's, I, I mean, what's interesting about this time is I think that, you know, even though it's the, the outside of the world is a little chaotic and a little crazy, I think underneath there's a perfect order. And I think the whole focus is going to be on healing in the future. And I think that it'll be healing your own stuff if you have to heal your own stuff still, but also, you know, because we all do. But I think it's also going to be about um, healing the world. And I think the next people in charge, they're going to focus on healing. I think that's what you're going to see is, is that there'll be more focus on healing the country and trying to heal other countries and trying to connect with other countries and, and really working on cooperation and healing. And I mean, ultimately that, that is love. That is, that we, that is part of love, but I think it's going to be, I think healing is going to be the next big focus. So, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I think that people, it's so interesting. I've got so many clients where all of a sudden they're kind of getting the life that they kind of want, always wanted, but you would have loved it when you were 20, but you would never have, appreciated it but now the life that they would have liked when they were 20 is starting to actually manifest so i think there's some really good stuff starting to happen so i think you can create more of it but i think that the stuff that we all would hope for is starting to actually happen oh i mean sorry that just opened up a door for me here so <laughs> so do you think that, uh, that. The, uh, no no i'm glad i mean listen i don't mind if you don't mind hanging i have no mind <laughs> i don't mind so what about uh when you start talking about healing i start thinking about um uh how we can have a vibrational match with an illness you know where like so like the consciousness of humanity has a, a match with this virus in a sense you know do you think that there's a place as we heal that we can actually uh, learn how to change our vibrations in such a way where we no longer match with certain illnesses where they actually disappear because we change the frequency of the human being the human body wouldn't that be the way, that would be the best way of doing it if we could do that. And I will say, have, I mean, I have, I, I've never had anything serious that I could do that with, but I've asked for help on certain types of maybe, I'll say minor things, it's not necessarily like, you know, horrible diseases, but on some of the minor stuff, I've asked for help in such a way that, that I think it's a lot about faith, because as soon as I trusted that spirit said, no, you're going to be fine, we're going to take care of this, this isn't going to be a problem, and it would be gone. And I would be like, okay, so that I, I w instead of focusing on the me, 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 I'm so, oh, I, I feel so crappy. I feel so, I got out of it and was able to go to the higher level and then it just was released. So I think that's kind of getting back. I mean, it's not new because Jesus pulled some of that, you know, and then some of the other great healers over the millennia have pulled a lot of that stuff. But I mean, it's kind of cool that I think that there's, there's a chance to, to release it and to actually just, that's why I, Kevin, again, Kevin's the one who writes all the books. Okay. So he wrote the book on vibration. And so I think that when you raise the vibration, it's like a Casey said, um, when you're alkaline, you, when your body's alkaline, disease can't, you know, get in there. Viruses can't 
can't live in you. So therefore you can't, and Casey's not the only one who said it. There's doctors, there's chiropractors out there. I think right. we had an interview with a guy who said that too. And yes. so that, that's been out there. But I think it's the same thing. It's not just staying alkaline. I think it's when you get your vibration up here, certain things don't bother you, don't don't come to get you, but you've got to be able to own whatever you got to own to be able to get to that vibration. Yeah, so. I completely agree. But I also think, and I, I agree with that part of the journey. I think humanity as a whole has a certain, there's a collective frequency that we also hold as well. And I do mm -hmm. think of our collective frequency as we raise that, we will see the disappearance of certain diseases and certain illnesses. Well, the old ones, for sure. Yeah, so uh, so it will cancer, change. Cancer, heart disease. Yeah. You know, the trifecta. Is it cancer, heart disease? What's the third one? Uh, there's three There's three that get a lot of people. Well, cancer, diabetes. heart disease, and something else. Diabetes? I mean, I know that there's tons of diabetes out there. Yeah. But... Uh, but I know, well, I think either way, I think it's going to be an interesting journey to see how these things play out. And I think we're going to see a lot of it in our lifetime, a lot of these changes with vibration. And you had those people on. You had a lot of people on earlier in your talk where they talked about raising the vibration and changing the food and changing the attitude and changing the way we do everything, which changes what, what we're taking in all together, which changes the game altogether. That's right. Which And realizing that changing the vibration isn't just changing the food, right? Like a diet is one part of it and we have to be conscious on that level, but then it is also uh, what we digest in digital media, right? What do we digest? What do we allow in our relationships? Like all the way across the board, you know, really transforming. How do we also think and feel? Where do we live internally, you know, inside ourselves? You know, so many of us, I think, live internally in stress and anxiety just because we don't know how not to or that we don't have to. You know, we just live there because that's what's that's the norm. You know, we're well, Earth freaks people out. You know, we're 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 a tough place. We're a tough place to be. So people get you know anxious being here. Yes. Although, how much has anxiety ever helped anybody to overcome a challenge? You know, it's a it yeah. is there is a certain point where you know of surrendering anxiety at a certain point to say, ah, wait, what, what is this actually serving? Let me actually serve myself and be here in the best way that I can possibly be, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, I mean, it's so much easier said than done. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that many people, if you're somebody who suffers anxiety, I know that you don't just decide to feel anxious or not. Um, but I think it's, I'm talking about a shift in consciousness. You know, uh, we are, we think, you know, I, mean, I think we, we're taught, right? This is scary. So of course you're scared. Well, yes. Okay. But how do we learn to acknowledge our fear in a way that we can say, ah, yes, I'm afraid because this is a frightening situation, but I can be conscious and choose to not live in fear, right? I think a part of moving to the higher consciousness level is, is separating the ego experience from our conscious self or from our awareness and our ability to raise our self above that, you know, and live more plugged in. doesn't mean we're not gonna feel the fear at all or that we're gonna somehow, you know, remove fear from us or that we're supposed to, you know, that's not necessarily uh, where we're supposed to go, but it, it does mean that it doesn't get to own our consciousness. Right, We're not, We don't allow ourselves to be quite so hypnotized by it. So when you talk about healing earlier, like just leaving people somewhere, I think, you know, as we go towards healing, how do we um, unhypnotize ourselves from the negative patterns that have kept us locked into the same old thing, whatever that might be in our lives? And how do we begin to use our internal self-hypnosis, our uh, self-talk, our imagination, our daydreaming towards the direction we want to be living? You know, how do we co creativity, not towards, yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mary, you've been great. 
you listen to me chat about <laughs> it's been so nice to have you thank you so much for doing this and you are actually uh mary's the last guest of the season uh, it's you. Of, of perspectives on reemergence yes all right mary have a great night thank you you too asa say hi to michael too